Hello, and welcome to The Simpsons Countdown, the podcast where we go back to the beginning and watch all of The Simpsons to trace its creative evolution and pinpoint the exact moment in which the show began to, for lack of a better word, suck. I'm your host, Eric's Antoine, and this week I'm joined by my good friend Pedro Pablo Silon, Petrus to his friends. Petrus is a Bolivian writer and musician. He fronts a rock band called Odds. In this, his first appearance on the podcast, we are discussing the episode Homer's Odyssey, which originally aired on January 21st, 1990. It's a rich discussion in which we go into what some of our favorite gags are and what the episode's importance is in establishing certain elements of The Simpsons' canon. We also touch upon political correctness and the issue of context when applied to humor as well as granting a historical perspective to works of art created in a different age. And that's where I think the real meat of our discussion lies, and what makes this particular episode of The Simpsons Countdown really worth digging into. So now, by all means, I hope you will dig in. Whether you're sitting in your car, or on a bus, or on the stationary bike, or on the toilet. I hope you enjoy the discussion that follows. Here we go. So, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Um, this is going to be fun, I think, talking about The Simpsons. Yeah, I think so. Uh, this is the uh, not the very first podcast I'm ever doing, but it's sort of the first one I'm doing in this way. Okay. Like having, actually having a friend over here in, in person. It's uh, my, my privilege. It's your privilege. I hope you enjoy the privilege. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's cool to have you, Petrus. So, Thank uh, you. thanks Thank for coming. So uh, so we're here talking about The Simpsons. Yeah, the very yeah. first season, third episode ever to be released. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, there's a few things, uh, I mean, worth mentioning. First appearances for a few main characters, like Smithers, He's he looks African-American in this one. Yeah, that was a strange thing uh, that they came up with because, well, they didn't come up with it, but I think... Um, this whole first season is just really wonky in terms of the animation, yeah. and they were doing the animation, it was done through different companies, mm-hmm. and I, I think a Korean company handled handled it overseas, maybe the final touches and color correction or whatever it was. So for whatever reason, they made Smithers black in this one. But he one wasn't episode. supposed to be black. Right? right, he wasn't, it's not, yeah, it wasn't supposed to be, and it was certainly, that was not the idea. And then when they got the animation back, he's just in like one shot, so they, I guess they figured, fuck it. And they especially decided, I think at that moment, because maybe they said, well, you know, you could be black, you know, yeah. but then somebody, I think, behind the scenes was like, eh. You can't be a suck up to yeah, be black. Right. It would just be a very, it could be inappropriate in this modern day and age to like yeah. have a very servile black character. It just, it would, it would not strike the tone they were going for with that character. So but they didn't know he was gay back then. No, I don't think they did. No. Um, they, they, there's, there's an episode later, uh, where, Burns is like crying. I think it's the one where they cut off the head of the statue, and, and Burns is crying, and and Smithers like like blows his nose for him or something. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't know when they began that whole thing of, of Smithers being gay and specifically in love with Burns. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, certainly not at that point. That wasn't. Yeah, because it's like his devotion turns creepy at some point. Yeah. I, I think, and it's it's an interesting choice anyway. Yeah, and, uh, there's uh, other characters. I think it's the first significant ap- appearance for Burns, first bit of dialogue. I think that's um, you can actually see the character a little bit more. Yeah, it's more developed because in the in the Christmas episode, he appears in just one scene, and it's when he's canceling the Christmas bonuses, and you just mm-hmm. see this one thing. Anyway, yeah, the thing is, I think they're establishing the characters, the, even the dynamics between the characters. They're getting to know each other. They they don't really know what's where it's going to take them. I think um, many of the characters you you see are not in the same place, and they, they don't have the same kind of voice, um, the same kind kind of personality they're going to develop later on. But uh, it's an interesting to watch because of that. And there's other characters like Sherry and Terry, the, the first sequence um, on the bus going to the 
where are they going? They're just driving around. It's a school field trip. They, they end up going to the power plant. They, they go to the plant, but before they just yeah. drive around. Right. They, supposedly taking a shortcut. But right, going through the city. Not, he's yeah. not. Yeah. So he's a, he's a funny character. And yeah, that's a, so it's Otto's first appearance. Um, Sherry and Terry. Sherry and Terry. Uh, Smithers. Smithers. Black Smithers. And mm-hmm. the Three-Eyed Fish. And the Three-Eyed Fish, that's right, makes a little cameo. There's, they go to a shot inside the uh, the power plant, mm-hmm. and you see the, the fish come out of the water, pop exactly. out for a bit. Yeah. And it makes you wonder how many of these things were just gags, and then mm-hmm. they, they sort of, like like the Three-Eyed Fish thing, which they actually built a whole episode around that. Of course. But, but our, in the second season. I in think. the second season. So I, I would wonder if, like, they knew that or whatever. This was the first episode... Um, uh, you you were speaking to me about it earlier. This was actually the first episode written. Yeah, that's what I read. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, but it was the third one to actually air uh-huh. right after Christmas Special and Bart the Genius, and then this one aired. It was the third episode to air. It was actually the first episode that I watched. I'd seen the Christmas uh, Special, and then uh, for whatever reason, I missed the very first episode that aired. And when this one aired, I was aware of it and I, I watched it. So it was the first regular episode of The Simpsons that mm-hmm. I watched. And I remember thinking it was interesting at the time, mm-hmm. being being kind of... Uh, yeah, you were a kid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, I think I was 13. I was 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. So it made an impression on me, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, the there's a certain maturity to it that it was not common in cartoon shows at that time. Yeah. I remember it making an impression on me. I, I specifically remember that one shot where you first see Burns. Mm-hmm. There's this one shot where, where like you like first see him clearly. I think Homer's downstairs, like out in the street, and he's protesting. Yeah. And then there's this shot of him at the office, in his office, like looking down on the people. Exactly. And there was just the way he looked, you know, his like bald head and the just the way the shot is lined up. Yeah, made him look like an alien. You know, it was just like I remember that made an impression on yeah. him, just like you know it, it being this really creepy thing. And the whole the whole episode, if we look at it, like you you mentioned how there's stuff that's still sort of being developed. So yeah. clearly, it's the first episode that was written, and that, that I would believe that. And then you go and you realize, first of all, Homer's the main character. Yeah. He's the central character of the episode. It's about him. That's an interesting thing to note. And it's a dramatic story. It's a dramatic story about how he gets fired. It's very in strange. Front kid. In front of his kid. You know, that's actually like a dramatic scene. It's not a particularly funny scene. It's a scene where really, it's like humiliating and you kind of feel sorry for Homer. And here's the interesting thing about Homer in this particular episode, as, a, as opposed to how he would eventually develop. And you see a little bit of this in, in some other episodes, but here in particular... And that's why I think it's interesting. Homer is like, he's like a reasonable, moral, he's like a heroic character. In this yeah. episode. Yeah, in this episode. He, he's, the, the, the whole plot is built around him being fired, going through a depression, and then having an epiphany when, when a car almost runs him over, mm-hmm. runs his family, when he's trying to kill himself. Yeah. He goes to save his family from being hit by a car because the, the road is so unsafe. And then mm-hmm. he becomes this crusader for safety. Yeah. And you go, like, that's a very interesting thing to consider that they did that with Homer. It's the sort of thing that Marge would probably do mm-hmm. in, like, in, like, a later episode. You know, like, becoming a crusader and putting up the signs and, like, having that be the, the through line of the episode. But I think it's the first episode where they actually establish he's in charge of safety at the, at the plant, right? So That's right. So it's basically how he gets his new job. The, right, the the job he's going to be, he's going to have throughout the series. It's an origin story. When you like in in a way, it's it's interesting to consider. Okay, so it's the third episode that aired, and there is a kind of continuity to the yeah. storyline. You know, it's like establishing, it's giving him the job that would then be his job for the rest of the show. Exactly. Yeah. And doing it in a fairly realistic way, and it makes one wonder if when they were first developing the series, if they thought that they would give it a kind of continuity. I mean, they didn't eventually, you know, they didn't. it just goes all over the place, you know, and, and, and it changes with the times it's been going on for 30 years. So back then Homer, you know, when he started dating Marge in like the late seventies, and I think eventually they get to the point where he starts dating Marge in like the nineties or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it, it became a totally different thing. And Bart is always 10 years old right. and goes right. on forever. But they do, I think in the first season, they do establish a few things. 
even in terms of origin stories, which they have, they, they have a few more episodes of, you know, like that over the years, like, you know, how Maggie is born, how she's conceived, or how Homer and Marge meet back right. in the 70s or whatever. Right. They do establish those things at some point. And in this case, I think it's basically how he gets his job, the one you're going to be seeing throughout the series. And uh, right. that's interesting. But I think there's also a few other elements, even even the rally thing. Homer is organizing a rally and he's protesting. And Burns actually um, caves in and gives him another job or something. I think it's a few elements you see in the episode which are going to be somehow developed or they're going to give them a twist throughout the series. And that, that's interesting because you can see there's, I mean, there's so much raw material in this episode and they don't know what to do with it. But later right. on, they're going to realize how to, even the, the three-eyed fish, mm -hmm. for instance, like you said, I mean, they're just showing you this world, this universe they're creating. And some characters, they don't even know what, what's going to happen with them. They're just part of the, the, the canvas. And in this case, you can you can realize, I mean, you realize they later on pick a few elements and they develop them throughout the series. And that, that, I think that's interesting when you watch the first few episodes. There's so much potential there, but they still don't know how to deal with the characters, the dynamics between the characters and their personalities, but it's all there. Yeah, little bits and pieces are there. Most shows have like a series Bible, and I'm sure this series, like anything, had a, had an essential Bible. But they were spinning off um, the Tracy Ullman shorts yeah. at that time. And I guess they didn't really, they just said, well, let's make a cartoon show out of this. And they, they must have thought of some ideas. And they got some of the writers from Tracy Ullman, uh -huh. and they must have sat they, down. They didn't know how big it was going to be, I think. I'm, I'm sure that that's also the case. They figured, I mean, because... They were doing stuff that was risky at the time. It was a primetime cartoon show, which was a relative novelty. The Flintstones had done it in the 60s, but now it hadn't really been done. They sort of created a new language for animation and for everything, even in terms of sitcoms. I'm, I'm guessing that their series Bible must have been very roughly sketched out, and they must have been developing it as they, as they went along, but they must have had some essential things, uh, some like goals or yeah. some some little things they wanted to do with the show to make it different. They wanted it to be grittier than your average animated show, obviously, because mm -hmm. it was prime time. They wanted to focus on more adult topics. That's why you have plots that are not typical. It's not like the Flintstones. I mean, the Flintstones is, is always just some madcap thing that Fred and Barney are doing or whatever. It's, it's, it's goofy. Here, it had some goofy humor, but the, the, the plot lines were built around more mature ideas, right? Yeah, and but there's also like a moral... Homer, even in, in these few first uh, few episodes, you can see he's he's kind of a, a nice guy, right? I mean... Right, he's basically a good guy. He's, and he's a good guy, and you can see he's, he's trying to be a better father and a better person than he is later. I don't know if that, that's intentional, but uh, in the end, it's all about... Homer understanding his place and his responsibility towards his family, and there's always like an like an undertone. Sure, they 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 always have a certain, I guess, as madcap as it gets, they always have a little bit of a, I don't want to say message. It's a, the, the yeah. show is not schmaltzy. It's not you know it, it's 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 not entirely cynical either. But they do have like a moral center. Uh, James L. Brooks being one of the producers, you know, he's kind of the master or was at least. I mean, his movies kind of. He hasn't made a good movie in a long time, but he, he was once upon a time sort of the master of the dramedy, you know, with yeah. movies like Terms of Endearment, you know, um, and yeah, as good as it gets, as good as it gets, and so he, he always had this sort of nice mix of drama and comedy, and, and even the TV shows he produced, like Taxi, there was a sense, nice balance of grounded humanity and broad comedy, sort of like. Mm -hmm. I think in pretty much everything he ever did. And, and so the early Simpsons episodes seem to be following that line. And yeah, eventually Homer becomes goofier, but the, the whole show becomes a lot wackier and just in general. They, yeah. they start going full on into broad, big satire and just big, just making it a lot bigger. And whereas in these first episodes, in this first season, what we see is something a lot more grounded. <laughs>
I mean, more like the character's personality, and he's grounded in terms, I mean, he's grounded morally. Yeah. Not necessarily what happens, because you have, you know, some really wacky scenes in, in the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff that you can't really explain in terms of, uh, I mean, logically. But it's not so much what happens to the characters, it's more their own reaction to the events, right? And I think it, it happens with The Simpsons. By the end of the episode, Homer sort of learns something where he tries to be a better dad or something, which, of course, doesn't happen with a character like Peter Griffin. Right, He right. doesn't learn anything. There's a uh, family guy essentially took the Simpsons template, and I think very deliberately. Yeah. Uh, people say that he, that at first they were saying it was a ripoff. It wasn't really a ripoff. It was very clearly riffing on the Simpsons yeah. and just sort of saying, but obviously just taking it into a whole other level of just being very absurdist. And Of course, he's based on that sort of blueprint. Right. But he doesn't learn. He doesn't try to be a better person right. morally. He's not aiming at that. Yeah, I, th- I think you can you can see the basic difference between Family Guy and The Simpsons. Especially, Homer. right, well, Homer and also just the way the stories are structured, what you just brought up, the fact that there is a sort of moral compass yeah. to the show in general. That's what I would call it, moral compass. doesn't right. necessarily, I don't want to say they're politically correct, but... Right, they they strike a nice balance where they know, like, they know, maybe they don't know, but they, they seem to be testing just how far they can push it. Uh-huh. And they always know that, well, there's kind of a limit to how far we can go, especially in these first episodes. Let's just kind of, you know, let's see. But it makes me think, because this was considered very edgy at the time. Yeah. Uh, You watch these episodes 30 years later, uh, and it's pretty quaint. You know, you go like, you can see how it was edgy 30 years ago, because people weren't really doing stuff like that on TV. Mm -hmm. But you look like, let's take a look at this particular story, for example. Consider that... The basic plot of this of the episode is that Homer gets fired, and then he goes into a depression, and he tries to commit suicide. Yeah. So they build this whole element of the story around him wanting to kill himself. And on top of that, which is a very dark thing, and on top of that, I mean, it's the sort of thing that in some other sitcom would be like a very special episode of Different Strokes or, Mr. or like Fresh Prince. You know, if, uh, but the whole scene is is hilarious. Right. Well, it's 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 a it's very funny, and it's the sort of thing where I go like, okay, I find it very funny. Um, you find it very funny. Obviously, you know, between you and me, we can say obviously suicide is no laughing matter. Depression is no laughing matter, and it's the sort of thing where today, okay. If they built a comic sitcom around suicide and tried to play it for laughs, I'm pretty sure it'd be some think piece or some blog yeah, or seeing like, oh my god, how could they do this? And they're 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 making light of yeah, depression of, is a huge issue right of, now. Of course, and you know, I mean, beyond how 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 it is, I don't think I I certainly don't think that when they wrote this or even now they meant to make light of it. I think they just thought, well, we can. We're going to do something very dark here. We're going to have some fun with dark humor. And so you brought, you brought up some funny lines. Homer's an idiot. Also, right. I mean, you, <laughs> you know he's not going to kill himself. Right. Yeah. And, and His plus, depression is, it's just not as deep. You don't, you know right. he's not having, like, mental issues. And Right. But they do, like, the whole concept, obviously this is a funny show, so they can't dwell on that. They can't make it a downer. So they make the whole concept of him... Carrying a boulder. Carrying a boulder. Um, the old couple. When he passes by the his neighbors, the, the old couple sitting at the porch. Oh, looks like young Simpson is going to kill himself. No, maybe not. Maybe he's just taking his boulder for a walk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's beautiful. And then he finally gets to the bridge, and there's another boulder exactly the same size. <laughs> so he carries the whole thing, the thing in vain. Um, but the whole scene is funny, I think, and um, and it's also kind of you know it's cynical because, like you said, it's no laughing matter of suicide, of course. Right, but it they is. know how to do it, and maybe you know other characters in The Simpsons who are more depressive or more darker characters wouldn't be as funny. But you know, it's Homer. You know, he's not deep enough to consider suicide. But anyway, there's other. There's a few other gags I liked in the episode, especially with kids when they're 
you, you can see the, the kids from Homer's perspective mm -hmm. lying down mm -hmm. on his back. All he does is lie there like an unemployed whale. Other episodes in the first season, um, Bart sort of looks up to his dad. He doesn't disrespect him as much, which I think it's it's funnier. It's right. You know, Homer joking his son is more like what you understand the relationship is like. Right. Uh, not really, you know. Right. The, the kid idolizing his dad. So the, this part, you know, I I I liked the tone it strikes in terms of what, what it's going to be, the relationship. Mm -hmm. And he says something like, um, I don't know what else to do. There's only one thing we can do. Take advantage of the old guy. You got to sign my report card, Dad. And I think it's beautiful. And if they, if they drew on that throughout the show, that sort of, um, yeah, the, the tone is right there. Those elements, I think, are important to to highlight in terms of um, this episode being the third episode in the show. They don't really know what's going to happen, but there's a few elements that they know are rich. Later on the show, later through the years, they, they actually, they know how to, not just develop them, they know how to squeeze them, you know? They know how to, um, how to make them more fruitful, I think. What you're saying about the, the characters, I think they're all kind of, everything's rough. Everything's still in a rough stage. Um, and, and it's not just that the animation is still kind of wonky. It's that they still haven't really gotten a handle on these characters. I can be pretty sure that, that they had the family. It's okay, this is a show about The Simpsons. They're, they're the yeah. central characters. And mm -hmm. sometimes we'll, we'll make Homer the central character. Sometimes we'll make Lisa, Bart, whatever. Mm -hmm. They probably figure that that's how it was going to go. Mm -hmm. But as far as expanding the universe and having all these other supporting characters, I think that, that, and that's going back to what I was saying about a series Bible, you look at an episode like this and you see that there's a lot of stuff that ended up popping up later, little things that ended up getting developed more later, like the bar or, you know, the three-eyed fish where a whole episode was built around that. That could be stuff where somebody might have put in the, because in animation scripts, you, you kind of have to describe a lot of stuff mm -hmm. because especially visual gags. I'm sure that in the script it must have said, oh yeah, as they pass through the through the power plant outside, you, you see a, a three-eyed fish pop mm -hmm. out of the water. And I don't think that when they wrote that, they said, and you know what, we're going to do that because, you know, in the second season, we'll do a whole episode about that. No, of course I'm pretty sure that what they did was, when they were thinking of ideas for episodes, then they looked back at some old episodes and went, well, why don't we do something about that three-eyed fish that showed up exactly. in episode one, so... Why don't we bring back the bartender? Or why don't we do this? Or why don't you know? So uh, it's the sort of thing that they were kind of making it up. They were developing it as they went along, and, and it's clear that the only thing they really had, and even that was rough, was the family. They kind of right. said, "Well, this is what we have." It, it, like everything must have been centered around who they are. So they were like, "Well, Homer's the typical middle class, working class American, blue collar like mm -hmm. American guy, not very." sophisticated, not intellectual, kind of a stupid guy. Not a bad guy, but you know, not, not the smartest guy. And he's got like a bratty son. And then I think eventually they said, well, we have to differentiate the son from the daughter. They can't both be troublemakers. So let's make the, the daughter like more like of a nerd or more intelligent or whatever. Let's, mm -hmm. let's differentiate them that way. She's supposed to be Matt Groening's favorite character. Then. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Lisa. Yeah, Lisa. Um, and I think it's the way she ended up developing um, it speaks to, uh, in, in, a, in a prior episode, uh, my friend Jason, we talked about this, and he, he basically said that uh, how Lisa is sort of the voice of the writers. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, this, this is a, a show made by lefties, you know, in the 90s, and so they, they had very specific views, and they wanted to communicate some of those views in their show, and uh, I think the character that most kind of comes to globalize that is Lisa. You know, mm -hmm. She's she's intellectual. She's she's for social justice. She's yeah. smarter than anybody else in the show. She's, you know, and and definitely. It would make total sense if, if she became Matt Groening's favorite character because maybe she is Matt Groening in a way. You know, it's, it's who he identifies mm -hmm. with yeah. in terms of his political views and his social views and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. So that would make total sense to me. They're creating this whole new world and 
these characters, this, this town they end up creating. Maybe the, you know, Bart's teacher or, or Mo. Mm-hmm. They knew they were going to need those characters eventually. Right. I mean, if you have a kid... He's going to go to school. He's going to go to school. You're going to need, you're going to need characters. You're going to need, you're going to need his classmates. You're You're going to need his teachers. Exactly. You're going to need mainly a teacher. You're going to need a few, you know, the bully in the classroom. Right. And even Homer, you know, what is he going to do? He's kind of a drunk, so he's going to go to the bar. Right. You're you're going to have to have a... Right. You're going to have to have the bartender. You're going to have to have his friend. It's almost like they, they... they plant little seeds. Like I, again, I'm not saying that For it was themselves. deliberate. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even saying that it's deliberate. I'm not even saying that like when they when when they did that, they were like, well, because we're going to bring this back. But I think that they always made it a point to to stuff their the episodes with all these details. Yeah, and and I think they might have known early on that everything they did, every little thing. Like if the show ended up continuing, because as you pointed out in the beginning, they didn't know. They they didn't expect this. To take off the way that it did, mm-hmm. I'm sure they were hoping it would be successful. They figured they could get a few seasons out of it, like any good show. But I really don't think that in 1989, when they were putting the show together, that they were saying to themselves, "Oh, this is going to no, be a phenomenon. Not. This is going to no. be like a global phenomenon that's going to just that's it. I mean, it's going to go on forever." Like, I really doubt that they no, but figured they're just painting the canvas, right? And a few elements are just worth coming back to. For, and, right. But they don't really know what those elements are going to be when they, yeah. you know, they create this little fish. And they do all these little gags, and I guess it is it is a point of when they're thinking of story ideas is when they go back and they, they look at all the little details. That, you know, and they'll take, like, remember that one little character that we had in that one episode? It was this gag, this throwaway gag, you know, whether it's the fish or whether it's the old guy or... Like, whoever it is, like, any little character that was something, you'll notice that after having, like, when you have 700 episodes, like, eventually you start to figure out where to get the ideas from. And I think that one of the reasons why it was able to to last so long is because it was so rich and so packed with details where they could take one throwaway gag from some random episode and just build a whole story around that because they had all these details. They're actually establishing these really rich dynamics here, which... Are going to become like the centerpiece of the show, and um, when they ruin that, like, I mean, years later, and I don't know, season twenty or something. When they begin to sort of, they 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 talk about jumping the shark, right? And kind of the 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 whole purpose of this podcast is to go through the whole show until we get to that point, right? I think that there is no question that eventually things started to get distorted because even with something as packed with detail as this was, and even with the wealth of ideas they could have come up with as writers change and as things change in general. Mm-hmm. This show was very much of its time, I do think. I mean, it, it became a global phenomenon, but I think we can, one thing we, that we can probably agree on is that its best years are the 90s because yeah. it was really reflecting on that time. The, the original writers, the, the, the first writers that came in and they were telling these stories, they were really charged with making it be social commentary of its moment. But there's also this balance with the political correctness, mm-hmm. which you can't really attain nowadays because it's it's such a big thing, and I think it got out of hand in many ways. And well, let's and, talk about that for a second. So um, let, 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 let's, but, let's discuss political correctness for a minute. And, and I think it was different in the 90s, you know? It was maybe more open, maybe people weren't scared of... Of telling certain types of jokes. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and I don't want this to sound like, oh, you can't be funny anymore, and blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's not, I, I'm, I'm, that's not what I mean. But I, I do think that the way humor is delivered, the way humor is processed, has gone through a chain. That's why you, you have a lot of situations where people will watch some sitcom, but they'll watch like Friends or they'll watch Seinfeld and they'll be like, oh my God, it was so, oh, that's so homophobic. Or like, what, you know, people yeah. now who, who are growing up now, who were not there at the time, the humor does change. Humor, and, and I think that, that we have to accept that that's true, that I think as society begins to change, certain things that maybe we found acceptable once. But it, it changes in reference to something, right? I mean, okay, well, yeah, okay, that's the, like, what do you mean In terms of by political that? correctness, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, I think comedy 
has a lot to do with it. It's sort of a, it's like a template, but you're keeping a balance with that. So you can't, even if you're an asshole, even if your show is really edgy, mm. when it becomes offensive and it becomes just for the sake of being mean, it's just not funny, right? Right, so, exactly, exactly. So that's a balance you have right. to, it's always there. That, I mean, when you're writing comedy, it's like the elephant in the room, right? Sure. You can't ignore it completely. But of course, I mean, nowadays it's become such a huge thing and people really don't know how to deal with it because sometimes it's just, I'm not going to say it's excessive because politically incorrect. <laughs> to say it's excessive. For me, it's about context. Mm -hmm. Because I do think that what ends up happening in a lot of the discussions that happen about comedy from 20 years ago, whether it's The Simpsons or Friends or Seinfeld, one thing that ends up getting lost in that discussion is the, the context behind the jokes. Mm -hmm. And you have to see where these things are coming from, where these criticisms, where they're framing these arguments from, like where that's coming from. Yeah. Who is the one, who is the person who's putting that argument out there? It's very difficult when you think about it now, like if, if now it's all about Twitter, you know, like one, all it takes is somebody, one person tweeting one thing, you know, like the, the one person that has some level of influence, a certain number of followers. And it's just nobody. Right. And it could be a nobody or it could be somebody, a celebrity. But the, the point is that it could be somebody who basically just happens to watch an episode of The Simpsons or whatever from like 1990 and notices one joke that happens to offend him or her, like at that moment, mm -hmm. maybe because at that moment they're going through something and so they're sensitive to something. And so they get offended by one particular gag or one particular joke. And now they reframe that and say, well, this joke is offensive. And, and, and they, and they put it out there, right? Like, this is not the time to talk about it. We will eventually get to it when we get to an episode that's more relevant, but it's like the whole Apu mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not the person to discuss that because I am not Middle Eastern, you know, and, and, it really is not my place to like decide if that is offensive or isn't. It's not offensive to me, but it's not my culture, so I can't yeah, speak to that. But but in any case, just you, you take one particular joke from The Simpsons that might not fly. You know, bringing it back to this, it could definitely happen that somebody because Homer's Odyssey, this episode is not one of the most classic or one of the most no. famous episodes. It's I mean, certainly of the first season, it's the one I least remembered, and I'm, I'm yeah. sure that that I'm not alone because it, it isn't a particularly great episode. It's not, you know, it has some interesting elements, but it is a little bit slow paced and whatever else. But in any case, it's not one of the classics. So somebody takes like a joke. So let's, let's go back to the, the big centerpiece of this episode, which is Homer wanting to kill himself. Mm -hmm. Like that, like that being like the second act, like the turning point, somebody could be like, this is making light of suicide. Somebody could say that. So yeah. somebody could, could interpret it that way and tweet that and then boom then you have this whole controversy built around the fact that the simpsons made light of suicide made light of depression made light of these things yes, but that's also anachronistic right i mean you can't really judge a show by something that was done in 1990. well it very much annoys me when somebody makes a huge deal out of like picks up an episode of something from you know 1990 like a, a comedy show and points out some joke that maybe wouldn't fly today I think that well, even American literature from I don't know, the 19th century, and I don't mean like stuff like Birth of a Nation, right? Which racist. is, but even even something like Birth of a Nation, like they have to understand the context, right? And there's value in in discussing that from a cultural perspective, in in, in discussing the history of why that film was made, the fact that it was a huge hit, the fact that I mean, all these things are worthy of discussion they study that those films in college and they should and it's the same for eddie murphy his comedy specials there's jokes he made that he would never make today he's a different person today and even and, and he would even say in an interview look you know i was a different person back then i made fun of gay people you know i shouldn't have done that it was wrong of me to do it but i did it then you know i did it like 30 years ago when yeah. when that kind of humor was going on and i'm you know it's not something that i approve of today but we have to look at the context of the time mm -hmm. But I'm not even, like, that's not even what I'm getting at, because obviously, yes, when we're talking about how humor changes, there are things that we might have considered acceptable once upon a time, whether it's, you know, gay jokes or racist jokes or however you want to look at it. It was definitely 
there was a time when it was widespread and people could just make jokes like that and it was acceptable. Also, and obviously today it is not. And we know that. But I think what's important in this case is did people intend to be racist when they were doing this? I mean, was it part of their objective? Yeah. I think Birth of a Nation, of course, they were. It was racist. Of course. It doesn't matter when it was made. Right. I mean, and Birth of a Nation is based on a novel called The Klansman, which essentially paints the Ku Klux Klan. As, as a heroic militia. That was always racist. Yeah, it was right? absolutely the context in which it was made. It was absolutely racist. Okay, so Griffith makes Birth of a Nation mm -hmm. and bases it on this best-selling book. It's a mm -hmm. huge blockbuster hit. The way lore goes is that he didn't realize, as far as he was concerned, he was adapting this great book. And so the movie comes out. And of course, it's a huge hit. But obviously, you know, the, the black community of the U.S. and the world sees it for what it is, which is this horrendously racist piece of work. And he's obviously criticized for having made the film, even though it was a success and whatever else. And I, I think it was one of his collaborators, one of the actors, I, I believe it was May Marsh, basically said, yeah, no, you don't realize what you've done. I mean, this, this really is, really look at this movie and you, you'll see that this is, what this movie is saying is, is, is deplorable. And that's why like his next film was a movie called Intolerance, which is about, you know, discrimination throughout history mm -hmm. right and so it was his way of apologizing for birth of a nation mm -hmm. and intolerance was a huge bomb which essentially ended his career but my, my point is this kind of stuff the whole like thing about uh being pc telling inappropriate jokes it's not new I mean, we, we've always had these discussions like going back to like for a second like eddie murphy for example even then like the a sector of the community did point out that those jokes were bad. So it's very, it's very sexist. It's very homophobic. It's this and that. And so he was criticized for it even then. Yeah. But, um, but just the con again, the, the cultural context was different. So people would, I guess, brush it off more easily back then. Yeah. And maybe he wasn't trying to be homophobic. He was just trying to be funny. I wouldn't say so much that he wasn't trying to be home. It's more like he wasn't intending to be hurtful. Exactly. It didn't occur to him at the moment of like telling that joke that this could possibly be interpreted or taken as hurtful mm -hmm. from a certain sector of the community that that doesn't appreciate being mm -hmm. being mocked in that way i think people just get more easily offended now i think people get the same level of offended but it has become easier to express it in terms of like back in those days so in, so in the early 90s, you know, there was no, there was an internet, but it wasn't, you know, like it is today. And obviously there was no social media. It didn't work that way. And so all these discussions that people have now on Twitter were just discussions that people had in private, you know, in their homes or they had them at the office or whatever else. But before you didn't somehow, you don't, you don't get to get offended. You didn't get to get offended before. You realize this word it may be offensive because I'm gay or because I'm black, but I'm not going to make a scene right now. And right. No one's going to really... Well, let me address that for one second. I mean, I do think, I get what you're saying, and it's true. I do think that in some cases, though, that was people repressing. They're right to be angry about it. Yeah. Like the, the, the fact that, like, look... Maybe they didn't even know right. they had the right to be angry. Right. Or just, that, you know, they're, they're, they're at a bar or wherever they are, and they, they hear some joke that is deeply offensive. And they do nothing. You know, they do nothing but maybe shoot somebody a dirty look. You know? Yeah. But now at least they can go home and, and tweet about it. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I'm not saying that people now feel entitled to make a scene. Most people continue to, you know, have composure. And even in a public place, you probably aren't going to make a scene. You'll probably just shoot somebody a dirty look and be like, I can't believe that motherfucker just said that. And then you'll, but then you'll go home and at least you'll be able to vent it on Twitter. You'll be able to mm -hmm. say, look, I was at a bar and this motherfucker told this ridiculous joke and this is what he said and, and boom. And then, and then all of a sudden you'll have everybody retweeting you and then, and then you have this huge mm -hmm. thing that happens, mm -hmm. right? And that's good in the sense that it's good that a person who maybe 20 years ago had to just keep it to themselves mm -hmm. can now vent, can now like express, can be like, I can't believe that somebody in this day and age is still making ridiculous jokes like that at the expense of people like me. But you have the other extreme where it's something where one person can interpret something. And, that, and that's kind of what I was getting at before with, with, with this. Because, you know, a gay joke, you know, or, or, a, or a racist joke that, it, that where, where it's very clear that the punchline is that this 
that the person of this ethnicity is is stupid, or you know that that the gay person is somehow wrong for being gay. When that's the punchline of the joke, then obviously that is a racist or a homophobic joke. But when you just take something, like like in The Simpsons, when you just take something where oh Homer is going to kill himself and the neighbors make a joke of it and you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's this whole sequence of funny events surrounding his suicide. And even the, the, the whole thing where like, he, he's writing his, his suicide note, right? Oh, right. That, that, that's my favorite. Stupid things they have to do. Right. No, and they keep, there's this one thing. So he's writing his suicide note, and, and part of his suicide note, you know, it's like, I can only leave you with the words my father gave me. Stand tall, have courage, and never give up. Like he's actually saying never give up and like it's in his suicide note. Like that's like my favorite gag. That's my favorite gag in the whole like episode. And it's one of my favorite gags with the Simpsons. But um somebody might watch that episode and for personal reasons it will it will resonate with them and they will feel offended. Okay? It's like for example, let's say that I've in my family I've recently had a, a love a loved person succumb to cancer, then obviously if I watch a movie like 50-50 or something, I'm going to, it's probably going to affect me. It's, I shouldn't be watching this movie, you know, or if, or if you know, I have a, a family member who's suffering from Alzheimer's and I watch, you know, what's it called? Still Alice with Julianne Moore. That movie might affect me in a deep way. More but you than should know, right? I mean, sure. What I'm getting at, if, first of all, I don't even know that a comedy series, like a sitcom today would have an episode where the central character is considering, is considering suicide and they do it in a funny way. Like, I don't know, certainly not a mainstream sitcom. I, I, I can see like a, something like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or something like that. But I'm saying that like something mainstream would probably not tackle the topic or would be careful about it. Or if they did, they'd be like a trigger warning. You know, yeah. if this episode were to air today, maybe there would be like this thing at the beginning where like the following program uh, features suicide as a... And so it would just be there so that you, as a viewer, could change channel and be like, I'm not going to watch this. But, okay, fine. And that's and that stuff, you know what? Like, I think that's good. That's good, you know? and I understand. But, right. I mean, sometimes cultural cliches are not as offensive, you know? Because, I mean, it's the same with us. I mean, someone making fun of us because we, you know, we have llamas or whatever. Or, right. Here you go. So, so if somebody were to like, if you were in a conversation or if you were to watch a, a, a show or something where they basically imply that, that Bolivia is all about cocaine. Or, or we all make cocaine. We're, we're all, like we're all, you know, we're all drug dealers or we're all, or, you know, you might be offended by that. As of course. Say. Okay. Now. But if it's about, you know, we like potatoes, it's, it's crap. Right. I mean, I mean that's not really offensive. I mean, I'm, Going back to this episode, of course, if you're talking about suicide, it's really hard to you really want to go there. But if you're going to talk about Latinos or, I don't know, this episode with the, the bee guy. Right. I well, mean, that, that whole yeah. character is, is, is a parody of Chespirito, right? So Yeah, but it's funny. Come on. It is funny. I, mean, I don't feel funny. offended because he speaks Spanish and he's an idiot. I mean... Right. That's kind of what I'm getting at in terms of context. And we, we go, like... There, there is humor that is, I wouldn't call it so much humor. There are certain jokes, certain types of uh, jokes that are intentionally hurtful. Yeah. And then there are stupid jokes that are maybe unintentionally hurtful. Mm -hmm. And in that case, that's where I think context comes in. That's where you have to be like, look, you look at this episode and you have this whole subplot about Homer wanting to commit suicide. And it's clear from the context of the episode, it's not about making fun of suicide. It's, it's just a plot element. Mm -hmm. It's built around, it's, it's character development for Homer. It's just putting him in a situation, finding a, a, a dark, darkly humorous way of putting him in a situation. It's all about having an excuse for him to almost get hit by a car, for him to realize that that, that road is not safe. Right. It's and, not about that. Right. Basically. So it's all, exactly. It's not about suicide. So it's not making fun of suicide. Exactly. The episode's not about that. It's just a plot point. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't actually kill himself. You know, so it's not, 
And but in this case, it could be offensive because you're actually tackling this topic, right? Right. But sometimes you're just, people get offended anyway. So that kind of thing, that's when I, when I mean people, people are more easily offended nowadays. Even if it's something, you know, trivial and no one meant any offense. Right. And, and that, that bugs me, you know. And that happens with comedy because we just become so scared of offending people. You just become scared shitless all the time of, of telling jokes. And telling jokes jokes with which might be edgy, which might be fun, or which even might make you reflect on something. Because sometimes when you're edgy and you're making a joke that's not PC, it allows you to actually think about something. Right. Well, a lot, a lot of the jokes that are that are sometimes criticized for being non-PC or inappropriate or whatever, the purpose of the joke is to bring light to a topic. Exactly. It is to actually make you talk about that. You know, a joke about homophobia might not be a joke at the expense of gay people, might be a joke to make you reflect on the reality. And so it's all about, okay, so how do you do that? And, you know, the, the really good comedians are the, are the ones who are able to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure that they all intend to do it. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to, you know, to most people. And I'm going to say that most comedians who go out there and they tell jokes, and some of them are t- touching on dicey topics, their intention is always to try to shine light on the topic. Like Dave Chappelle. Like Dave Chappelle. Chappelle. But the ones who really do it well are people yeah. like Dave Chappelle or, you know, Louis C.K. or Bill Burr, etc. And, and it doesn't mean they're trampling all over like PC. They're they're they they're mean, trying to bring light. They're trying yeah. to bring light onto a topic and trying to discuss it and doing it in a humorous way. Yeah. Not not by making light of it, but by just bringing it out mm-hmm. into the open and using humor because humor gets attention. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing it with humor, then you're being entertaining, and I'm going to pay more attention to you. And then and then after you've said what you said, I'll think about it and I'll be like, okay, this is what you're really trying to say. And so you made a joke and you used inappropriate language and you use all these things. And so in context, I would analyze it. And I think that that's what sometimes gets lost in these discussions. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the, the humor from these old shows, from shows like Friends or Seinfeld or The Simpsons, that are criticized for certain things, I think people are missing that those jokes weren't, like a joke about homophobia is not a homophobic joke. Mm-hmm. A joke about homophobia is a joke that's trying to bring attention to that. And I think sometimes that gets lost. A, a movie with racist characters in it mm-hmm. that that uh, behave in a racist way and say racist things is not a racist movie. It's a movie about racism. Yeah. You know, And so it makes it makes sense that those characters would speak. That. Like calling Michael Fassbender a racist because of his role in 12 Years of Slave. To be fair, no one did that. But they have sometimes accused other filmmakers and other actors of that due to excessiveness or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, yeah, that's what gets lost in discussion. That's why, like you brought up 19th century literature, like Huckleberry Finn. Yeah. Right? Some schools want to ban it because of some of the language that's in that book. And again, I think, wait, that's a very important book. And I think that that book could be used to actually teach about a time in history. Exactly. And so you, as long as, you know, if you have the, the right people who are discussing these books, and teaching them to their students and saying, you should read this book, and you should read it knowing this context, understanding this. If you just wash everything and just, or whatever, and you try to change it, right. so it's more acceptable to today's perception. Change it or ban it's it. It's stupid. Or, I mean, right. you're yep. not respecting a work of art, which was released in a certain way at some point adding stuff and changing the context and reinterpreting the message, I think that's very dangerous. It reminds me that after 9-11, I mean, they did some things, you know, like there was the trailer for the Spider-Man movie that hadn't come out yet. Yeah. And the original trailer had this helicopter being trapped between the Twin Towers. And okay, that trailer was removed from rotation, obviously. I think that one of the posters had like the reflection of the Twin Towers on like his eyes. They took that out. But I do remember that, and, and that's, Understandable. I mean, this is something that was coming out and it had just happened. People yeah, saying, I mean, that's understandable. Right, and, You're not, right. not going to change every single right. Friends episode. But there, but there was there. talk about doing that at some point. Like, like I don't know how serious this talk was, but I do remember people talking about sort of like digitally removing 
shots of the Twin Towers from certain movies and certain shows. And everybody was, was going like, well, I mean, come on, man. I mean, look, I mean, they were there. It's a tragedy that happened. They used to exist. I mean, what, what, like, what are you trying to say? You know what I mean? Like, we're going to just Pretend it them. didn't exist. Right, I mean, so because so that it reminds us of a very painful thing that happened to us. I mean, it's ridiculous. When they say that a hero can save us, I'm not going to... It's better, I think, to, instead of just attacking old jokes, it's better to talk about them, I think, to, exactly. to analyze the context, to see why was this acceptable then? Why, like, what were they trying to say then? There's no value in just, in just pointing it out. To be like, oh, I saw this Friends episode, which was so homophobic. And? Why was it homophobic? Okay, so why? Well, let's analyze that. Like, what do you mean? Like, what, how was it? Why was it? You know, what, let's look at the historical context of you know, jokes that but I think that's were inappropriate very, then versus how they are now. That's an important lesson in terms of history, how you understand history, because of course every work of literature or art or music, it's it's going to be interpreted differently from when it came out originally. That's obvious. Mm -hmm. There's a less a lesson to be learned in terms of why was it funny back then and why isn't it funny now and what what am I missing here? I mean, what changed in this general context in this situation for this to not be funny anymore? Or for this for this to become funny all of a sudden? Because sometimes something something that just wasn't funny before. Because even this template of the political correctness was a bit different. Now it becomes funny. You know, it's you have to. Consider that all the time when you're writing comedy, when you're doing comedy. So I, I think it applies to this episode, and it applies to The Simpsons in general. And it's something we have to accept, because they were created within that context. Well, thanks, man. This was a good talk. Yeah. It was great to have you here uh, speaking about this. And I guess we're done. It was really fun. So uh, is there anything you uh, want to plug, um, anything that you'd like to, uh, our listeners to know about in terms of uh, your, your work? Yeah, of course. My band's name is called Oz. Um, you can check it out on Spotify. It's Oz Rock. Oz Rock on Spotify? On Spotify. And um, so check it out. And we have a few records and I hope you like them. All right. They're really good. Check them out, guys. All right. So that's it for this week's installment of The Simpsons Countdown. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this, please give us a like. If you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe, and feel free to leave a comment or two expressing your appreciation. Do keep in mind, also, that it's fine to disagree with any points made by myself or my guest, so long as we keep it civil. I'm Eric Santuan, and next time I will be joined by another good friend of mine, and we'll be discussing the classic episode, There's No Disgrace Like Home. I hope you'll join us for that one, too. So until the next time... Stay safe, everyone. Thanks for being here. See you next time. Bye. I like you, Tony. There is no lying in you. Unfortunately, I do not feel the same about the... Shh.